Great having my sister and brother-in-law in town. Uh, we've, uh, they've been here for the weekend and love having family here. And uh, we've been reminiscing a little bit and thinking back. Uh, we used to live in South Carolina, and uh, we moved when I was in the ninth grade to a, a house. It was kind of a really, it was a cool God story. Another, another time and another place to share. But uh, moved in this great house. It had a swimming pool, which we never had. We never dreamed of having a swimming pool. We had a swimming pool, and we had three garages. Seriously, we had a, a garage that was on the side of the house, and it was two places. Joel, this is for you, three garages. Uh, and then one that was attached to the house as well. By no means did we come from a rich family. I'd like to share that right now. It was like a total, like, woo, dropped in our laps kind of awesome story. Well, we thought with these three garages, with all this, this, this house, we're going to have so much space. You know, for the first time, we had our own rooms. That kind of, that was nice. But something happened. To my memory, I do not remember ever parking a car in one of those garages. I don't have that memory in my mind, and it wasn't that long ago. See, my mom has a a kind of a gift, uh, we'll call it, of collecting things, all right? And I will defend her, uh, especially since she is learning how to to listen to the podcast uh, these days, She's very artistic, and uh, so she's very artsy. She, she collected different things for projects. Do you remember those bouncy horses that you, you would go and bounce on with the springs? She would take those off of the springs and make like an, like an antique-looking thing that you would put in a room. It, beautiful stuff. We had horses all around our house, okay, and springs and all kinds of things. Uh, she also was, she's a wedding coordinator, and so there were wedding items all around and lace and various things. Because you've, you've got to keep those things because one day you'll need them again, right? You'll need them again. And, and everywhere in our house, there, were, there was an organization system that only she knew the code for, okay? And I, I know where everything is, right? There's kind of a mental map there, all right? I knew where everything is. Now, my father, now my father, he is a little bit of the opposite end. He has this ability that if you hear like a, 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 a fork hit the sink, he is in there washing the fork or the plate. If there is anything in the kitchen that needs to be put up, he's there. He is constantly cleaning and, and going to town there. How, I would, I'm not going to do a survey, but some of you are more on my kind of on the dad side there. Some of you are more on the mom's side. But there was just always kind of this, this thing that was happening there. And something amazing, they moved to Nashville a couple years ago. They bought a house and come to find out U-Haul does not let you get like buy one, get three free. Uh, so they had to leave a lot of stuff in South Carolina, and their house is it's totally different now. It, there's just space, and they, they put their car in the garage, and we kind of live in these different worlds, different personalities, different things, and we kind of fit different places there. I did a random kind of thing this week where I'd go into various offices because I have keys to, to all the offices, and I took pictures of people's Offices. Now, by the way, uh, I did ask permission for this, but I want you to see if you can guess some of the office spaces that we have here, okay? We've got the first one. Look at that. That, That's right. That's my mom's. That's uh, not my mom's, your mom's. Pastor Michelle's office. Wow. This is to- these are totally random, by the way. All right, how about this one? I would like to say this is the creative Arts pastor, okay, and there is a lot of storage things happening there. This is 
Pastor Geraldo's office, it's always, I mean, just immaculate. It's just perfect. Next one. This would be Pastor Eddie's. That's right. Now, just randomly, I said, you know what? I'll go into my office just on a random day, random time, and take a picture of my office. <laughs> and uh, I just want you to notice, uh, Dr. Johnson, the, uh, the, the bust there of John Wesley on the, for, for daily insp- inspiration. Now, that was totally random, totally random. But uh, to be fair, I did take a picture of my garage this, yesterday. And here's that picture. (laughs) Now, everything has its place, all right? I know exactly where everything is. Quite honestly, this kind of fits. I've got like the the best of both my, 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 my dad and my mom. There are times I run super hot on this. You can please take that picture away. Uh, People are evaluating what's in there. Take it away. I, I used to ride that bike. Um, times I get like super clean freak, okay? I, I go into my office, I have to clean everything. I have to make everything sure it's in the right place. I do that this with the garage sometimes, but then time goes by and it gets a little ca- crazy. Right now, we actually have people taking a picture of your car uh, and just to see the space in there. Because if you don't know where you kind of land in this, this debate, if we were to get in your car right now, would you have to clear a space for someone? Okay, that kind of tells you where you are in this. All right, so we're different personalities, and that's okay, okay? That's okay. But, but here's, just to give us a visual and a reminder of this, uh, just to show us some uh, kind of where we're at in this series, kind of got one picture here, okay? I'm waiting for things to fall, all right? Here's where we want to go with this series. It's okay. Relax. It's okay if your garage looks like that. It's okay if your car is like that. But it's not okay if your life looks like this. If your, if your schedule looks like this. Constantly just chaos and anxiety and stress and to the max with everything. It's not okay if your, your finances look like this, that it's so maxed out and so stressed. When people get, young people come to me and they're getting counseling for for marriage, this, we know this, this is the number one tension getter. The, The thing that brings the most tension between couples is finances and living to the max and not having space. People live this way morally. There's no space in their life there. One of the questions that people ask, when I was a youth pastor, they would ask me all the time, where is the line? That's what people want to know. Where's the line? How far is too far? Like with, you know, someone of the opposite sex. I want to know exactly where that line is because I want to get to the edge. I want to live to the max. There was this thing a couple of, I think it was a couple of years back now, where this guy, you might, the name might jump into your mind, he was tightroping across the Grand Canyon. Okay, you remember that? Okay, there was a part of me that was that probably the sick part of me that was like drawn to that in some weird way. I was like, maybe he will fall. And we're kind of drawn to that. And that's really strange. I don't want, I don't want to see that. But living to the max and to the edge, there's something that draws us to that, the, almost the danger of that. 
But somewhere in the middle of watching that, I was like, and they were showing pictures of his family on the side. I thought, what is this guy? There was no net. There was no room there for margin for error at all. He falls. He's gone. Who is it going to cost? You see, because a lot of times when we live in this max life to the edge, we say, that's where I do my best work. When I'm stressed, when I have all this going on, I can, we say things like, I'm running, when I'm juggling, that's where I'm at my best. But what is it costing me? What is it costing others? Things that maybe are, are more important. Because when you live this way, you live maxed out. When there's no breathing room in your life, what happens? Our stress levels go up, right? I'm not telling you anything that you don't, you know these things. Your stress level goes way up. When you know that, you know what, okay, it's going to take me my best day. It takes me 15 minutes to get there. And you live, you leave 15 minutes before you're supposed to be there. What happens? One little thing, one little bump, one little, you know what, there's traffic in Houston sometimes. One little just kind of stop there, and it, you're just totally stressed out. And the ripple effect for other things, you're starting to feel it, right? Our stress levels go up, especially with when we're talking about finances, with other areas as well. There's other things that happen to us uh, along the way, and stress, anxiety, sleep-deprived. Um, I heard this story about a teacher said this. She, she went up and got on, second-grade teacher, she, she went up, this young man and, and, and had to get onto him because he heard this phrase. He said this to another, another girl in class. He, he called her, yo, sexy mama. Uh, yo, sexy mama, yeah. And the teacher pulls him aside and says, that's not something that we, you know, that's not something that we say, Johnny, to, uh, to, to, to people or girls in the class. And he says, well, my mom likes it when my dad calls her that. She doesn't mind. Have you ever, your kids ever repeated something that you've said, and you go, oh, don't ever say that in any public form at all, and if you do, blame that on your father. Uh, there's this phrase that Noah uses, and it, I, I gotta be honest, it, it, it just pokes me, and I would love for him to stop saying it, but he just keeps saying it. I'll come to him, and I'll say, hey, Noah, you need to do this. Noah, can you, it's time for this. Now we need to put this away, and he says this, one minute, one minute, one second. And you know where he got that from? Noah, just one minute. Let me finish this. One more minute. One more. Every time. It costs you in other places, because what happens when we're maxed out, there's this subtle shift of priorities in our life, from things that are maybe good, we're, we're focused on things that are okay, and we're missing out on things that are the best for our lives, when we're pushed to the limit that way. And most of us would say our, our relationships are the most important things to us, and yet we put other things in front of them all the time, don't we? And we do this subtly along the way. And, and you hear your kids saying things like, Dad, why are you always working? Mom, why are you guys always, always fighting about money? Mom, why are you always on the computer? These things are hurt. They're hurtful. There's some, there's some truth in that as well. There's something else. When we live this maxed out, 
in different areas of our lives, there's no room for other things. Like when you're emotionally maxed out, you can't really help someone else emotionally because you are so tapped out. You don't have space for that. If God comes to you and says, listen, I've got an amazing opportunity for you to, to give. Look at this ministry opportunity or to go and to do. But I, I can't. I don't have room for that. Or to serve or to help or to love. I just I don't have room in that, my schedule for that. Missing opportunities that God has for you because we're putting other things in front. Now, there's another way to live, isn't there? This is a space for breathing room. Everybody, <sighs> breathing room. You can find things. You know where things are in life. There's, there's room. There's this word that we'll use, margin. I don't know if you can see on the other side, it's just, uh, this is what my closet looks like at home, by the way. And these are all my clothes, so uh, I'll be living out of these for the next few weeks. But there's breathing room. What's the best thing about, you know, being on vacation? We're kind of, some vacationing this summer, isn't there? It's just being able to not have the load of everything Appointments, emails, things are always, you can just be with people. You can have conversations. You can look eye to eye with people. And those things have just kind of, there's space for not stressing. And we love those things. Breathing room in your life. You know what that means? We're going to take a, couple, a definition for a couple of books, and, and we're going to look at these books because quite honestly, this is an area of my life that I run hot and cold in. I, I am really focused on it one moment, and the next I kind of let things slack a little bit. And I don't know if you're living there today, but some, some things are going to help us, some books along the way. Maybe you uh, would want to pick these up. One is a great book by Richard Swenson. He, his margins, very simple. Then another one by Andy Stanley, Take It to the Limit. And you can, you can get those on uh, anywhere where Christian books are sold, I'm sure, um, or Amazon or different places. But we're going to be using a lot of information from there. But, but they would describe, Swenson would describe breathing room this way. It's the space between our current pace and our limits, because everyone has a limit. There is a line there, okay? It, the, the space between our current pace and our limits, the amount available beyond what is necessary, the margin there. So if you, if you have breathing room in your life, guess what? If it takes 30 minutes to get somewhere, you leave 45 minutes beforehand. If it costs $200, you know, you have $250. You have $50 of margin of breathing room there. Breathing room is the gap between rest and exhaustion. The space between breathing freely and suffocating. It's the opposite of overload. Breathing room is you actually have time to sit down, get this, at the dinner table and listen without your mind racing What's next? Some of you, your mind is you're racing right now. You, you can't sit and worship without thinking about what's on the list. What do I have to get done this afternoon? What's the next appointment? And you're just thinking, thinking. You're processing. Your brain's not shutting off. It's constantly there. You probably, some of you are, have made a to-do list on your worship folder. I guarantee it. If not mentally, physically. And now you're crumpling up the paper and putting it in your pocket. And that's okay. It's okay. Breathing room 
as as being able to enjoy relationships and the things that you're doing because you're not doing too much. Not doing too much. Breathing room is having time and money to invest in God's stuff. It's having space to think, to reflect, to connect, to dream. It's about having quality time with people and with God. And, And if we would admit it today, a lot of us, we need some breathing room. We need some breathing room. We've got to have some space. There's just too much. It's, it's too much. We need space. We need it. Why do we live this way? Why do, why do we live this way? We live this way because our culture tells us to. You know, identity, pressures. You have to have this. You have to do this. You have to put your kids in this. You have to have this schedule to have meaning. You, you, you have to try this. You, you have to do all kinds of things that way. And it's just constantly, there's this push. And I don't know if you've ever been in a car. I borrowed a car a couple of weeks ago that the car was out of alignment. Have you ever felt that before? You're, you're holding the wheel and just, if you let go, it just pulls you a certain direction, most of the time toward, toward the right or to the left. You're getting pulled a certain direction. When our lives get out of alignment, culture, it pulls us a certain direction, constantly pulling us different places. There's something else that the reason why we do this, we're afraid, to be honest. That kind of a core reason, if we were looking at it, we're afraid. Afraid of missing something. Have you ever gone down the road and you're like, cannot believe all these people are, is it rubbernecking? When you are looking at an accident or something that's happened, cannot believe this is causing all this traffic and this, this chaos here. And what happens when you get to the spot? Why? You don't want to miss it. What happened? I want to see. We don't want to miss things in life, and so we try to, to max out and do as much as we can. Where this, there's this fear of not measuring up to others. I mean, the Joneses, other people's kids, other parents, there's this fear of not mattering. My, I want my life to count, and so let me push toward achievements and things. There's a movie, uh, I want to say Brad Pitt was in it, uh, Troy. Uh, it was a uh, He's Achilles back uh, in, in ancient days. And the whole focus of that movie was him saying this, I, I want my name to be remembered. I want my name to be remembered. And so in this focus to try to be remembered, we focus on things that are not as important, trying to define that identity. Andy Stanley says it this way, our fear of not mattering much has the potential of drawing us away from what matters the most. And then we have this other internal fear. If I don't go a thousand miles per hour, then maybe I won't make it. Maybe I won't make it. It won't be enough. I won't have enough. God has this rhythm that he's calling us to live in. You see it in the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1. He creates. God creator. He created for six days. And what happened? Genesis 2 on the seventh day. He rested. He rested. He he called it the Sabbath, the Sabbath rest. Now, question, do you think God really needed to rest? You think he needed to rest? He's God. Isaiah says this way, Isaiah 40, 28, he says this, have you not heard, have you not understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. So why would he do that? Maybe he was setting a pattern 
even in the beginning. A pattern for life. We see it again, the, the people of God, Israel, they are enslaved in Egypt. Pharaoh has them under his thumb. They are slaves. And if you're a slave, what do you do? You work 24-7. You work, 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 eat, go to sleep. Get up, repeat. You're a slave. You don't have any options. And guess what? If you don't do what Pharaoh says or Egypt says, you die. That, that's the options. There's fear. There's, there's just chaos and there's hurt if you, if you don't do that. And you see the people of God and you see it playing out in the very beginning where God's people are there. And who does he send? He sends Moses to rescue the people, to send them, to bring them out of this slavery. So when Moses brings them out, they go through the Red Sea. They're out in the desert. And God begins to establish a way of life, a rhythm of life, because they had been enslaved for years and years. You've seen a way of life. That's not what I've called you to be. I've called you to something else. I'm going to set a new pattern for living for you. So how does he do that? They get, go out to the desert, and suddenly they don't have food. God provides food. This thing called manna came down from heaven. And in Exodus, it tells us a little bit about what God's instructions were for the people. It says in Exodus 16, 27 through 30, this, some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day because God said, six days, go Take food, the manna that's out there, and eat. Take enough for your family, but no more than that. And on the seventh day, don't go out. Don't go out and, and, and get the manna. Take two days' worth on, on the sixth day. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commandments and instructions? Because they were going out on the seventh day. They must realize that the Sabbath, catch this, is the Lord's gift to you. Sabbath isn't God as much as it is for us. It's a gift to to you. That's why he gives us this two-day supply on the sixth day. So there will be enough food for two days. And on the Sabbath day, you must stay in your place. Do not go out and pick food on the seventh day. So the people did not gather any food on the seventh day. So six days, go out and get food. I'm going to supply a double supply for you on the sixth, and you're going to be, you're going to have enough. Trust me. Now, I thought about this as I was kind of pondering the scripture. Wouldn't it be great if Chick-fil-A did like a two-for-one on Saturday night, and then you would have enough manna uh, for Sunday? It'd be great. By the way, just a side note, you know they're doing pretty good for themselves, you know, financially, and they're not open on Sundays. They've taken a, a rest for their, their people, those who work there. So there's this, this pattern that's God saying, listen, I'm going to provide for you. Trust me. Now, what would happen when the people went out and they, they actually picked too much for the day? Something crazy happened. The manna turned to maggot. Maggots were coming out, of, which is a gross word. It's just a gross thing to think about. That bread, that manna, if you disobeyed God, maggots suddenly appeared in the manna. And it started to smell bad to you. And they went out there on the seventh day. There was nothing there. God is beginning to set a pattern that I am want you to rest. He even put that in the top 10 of commandments of things. Take a Sabbath day. Take a Sabbath day of rest. Why? Breathing room. Breathing room. I love, we heard about a missions trip earlier to Guatemala. If you've never been on a missions trip before, I encourage you to check this one out. 
or go on one soon because something happens on missions trips. When you go to them, you leave everything. Hopefully your cell phone doesn't work. You don't get the emails. You don't get the text. You don't get all of the, the communication and the stuff. And you are focused on a mission for the group. And the communication within the group, the relationship between you and God becomes so much clearer. And there's something that happens. You're breathing. You're living in the mission of God. And you're connecting to people. And there's just this amazing time together. And you hear things like this. I don't ever want to leave this place. Third world country spaces. I don't want to leave this place because it's so right. It's so good. It's who we've been called to be in this rhythm of life, of mission and rest and trusting in God. That's what Sabbath helps us do. Matthew 6 tells us this, and this is Jesus' words. That's why I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food or your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they? And why worry? And can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't, they don't work or make their clothing yet. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have such little faith? So don't worry about these things. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These dominate the thoughts. These stuff, things, dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, of God, above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need, that you need. Our culture tells us that we need this, this, that, and this. And it's maxing out our lives. But God tells us a different pattern and a way of living. There's something else I want you to see from, from the pattern God set for us. There's this thing called the law of gleaning. Very agricultural uh, culture, very farming-natured uh, very early on. And this was as what he was setting a pattern for the people there. It says this in Leviticus. When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your field. Don't go all the way to the edge. In fact, don't go so far that, 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 that place. Don't pick where the harvesters drop. So if you're picking and you drop something, leave it there. Leave it there. Now, why would he do that? And the same with your, your, your grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines and do not pick the grapes that fall to the ground. Now, immediately you're going, wait a second. You're leaving things out there? Like, but that's mine. That's yours. You need to max out. You need to, to, to get as much as you can out of, a, out of the field. Why? Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I am the Lord, your God. So what would happen? In these fields that were mine, people would come through that were in need. And there would be food on the grounds. And there would be sharing. And there would be space to do that. And God would provide for, for those people. It says it again in Deuteronomy 24. Remember those. And at the end of that, it's, it's a very similar passage. It says this. Remember when you were in Egypt 
Remember when you were slaves. Remember when you weren't free. You had chaos and destruction in your life. Provide mercy and justice and love and peace to others as well. Now, there's something, uh, something about first that you remember pretty easily. Uh, I remember my first sermon very clearly. I, I preached uh, Luke 10, 38 through 42. It's a story about Mary and Martha. Remember the story, Mary and Martha? Jesus is coming to town. Mary and Martha are their brother or sisters there. Great having my sister there. We would never fight uh, growing up. But Mary and Martha, you could just kind of sense there was a tension between them. They're different personalities. Maybe they're one person like the garage full of stuff. Maybe the other person was a little different. Jesus comes into town and it's coming to their house. What happens? What happens? Mary is frantic. Maybe it's like you would if it had a guest come over today. Throwing clothes in closets, putting things away. Someone's coming over. She is getting ready for Jesus to be there. Jesus comes into the house, and as Mary is preparing, getting ready for all this stuff that had to be done, these lists and all these things that have to be prepared for, she looks over in the living room, and where is that stinking sister of mine? She is doing absolutely nothing. She is sitting at the feet of Jesus, and she's, she's just sitting there listening to him. And what does she do? She goes up to Jesus and says, Jesus! Now, when you start to talk to Jesus like that, you should, that should just be an alarm in your head, okay? Tell her to come and help me. And in some versions, exclamation point, okay? God, tell her to do this. And what does Jesus say? You're worrying about, you're worrying about too many things. Your sister has chosen the better way. Your sister has chosen the better way. Can I ask you today, what is an area of your life that you need some breathing room? As as we get ready to close, the worship band's coming up. And in this series, we're going to be looking at different areas and asking some questions and and hopefully giving some some habits and things along the way that can help you to develop some, some breathing room in your life. But one thing we want to do is this, is we want to begin to come to the Lord and say, God, first, the, question, the first question is this, who or what determines the limits and the pace of your life? Who determines that? Asking yourself that personally, what determines the way that you live, the things that you spend things on? What do you spend on? How do you spend your time? Who, is, who are the voices in your life that are, are influencing you in that? Is it God? Is it culture? Is it some voices that you're hearing from, from friends or others or family saying that you need to do this, this, and this to measure up, to matter? Who, who, who sets those limits in your life? Is there a, an area of your life that you need some breathing room? Maybe morally you need to walk, take some steps away from the line financially, in your schedule, in your life. There's just places of clutter that you need to, to declutter and allow God to have space. And this morning, I want to give you some action steps. This week, this week, with your family time, I want you to create some daily, intentional connection time with your family. Totally deconnect. Maybe it's a turn off a phone. 
Maybe it's TV, books, whatever that's Facebook, whatever is draws your attention. Because even when we have space, there's something inside of us that fills it up with even more. Like I have time, and, but let me fill it with something else that's not as important. It's not the better way. We fill it with okay things, sometimes good things, but not the best things. So take intentional time this week to spend with family, connecting with them, listening to them this week. Here's a big challenge for us. Last thing, the action step of the week. I want you to take seven minutes per day to rest in the Lord. To rest, to listen more than you talk to God. Finding peace in Him and this rhythm that God has called us to live. Be still and know that I am God. Confessionally, sometimes I'm not still enough. I'm not quiet enough to hear from God because there's so much chaos in my ears and in my heart and in my head. We need to find rest in our lives. Maybe that practically, you turn the radio off and you drive in. You say, in that time, I'm going to invite God into this space. God, speak to me. God, Lord, if if necessary, convict me. Lord, call me. Direct my steps today. And I encourage you to do it early. Say, this day is yours, God. I'm going to be listening all throughout because my life is going to be on your schedule, on your pattern, and your rhythm. Call me, Lord, and help me have the guts to say yes when you tell me to do something today. Have space for that. Start it today. Make it a part of your pattern. Make it a pattern of a living, of saying, God, today I'm going to have the space for you. Now, as we end today, there is a, a course, I'm going to be honest, that just kind of jumps in my heart and my mind. This is the song that they're playing. It's a really, really simple one. I need you, Lord. That's it. I need you, Lord. I need you. Because that's the truth. We need Him. We need His grace and His mercy. We need His provisions in our lives. And we have that relationship where we're entering in a trust relationship with Him daily. And we're reminded of that all the time. Maybe this is just a song of your heart. Maybe this will be the song of the series. God, I need you. I need your help. And I need to find your pace in my life. So as we sing this song today, maybe you want to process some of those questions. Maybe you want to find that space this morning of, You don't even want to sing. You just want to listen to God and hear him this morning. Let's spend some time in in the Lord. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, that's our prayer this morning. Lord, we are so desperate for you. God, we confess today. It's so easy in the midst of the world that we live in to follow the wrong voices, to follow the wrong pattern and the wrong rhythms of our lives. And we get just so out of alignment. Our hearts and our heads and our lives are schedules. And the, we put things before you. We put things in front of things that are most important, like our family and friendships and relationships, God. We value things that we don't want to, but we're just pulled that direction, God. Lord, I pray for forgiveness, Jesus. God, Lord, I know that in a room like this, Lord, there are regrets around the room. 
So we look back on life of things that we wish that we could change and we could go back. Things could be differently, that we wouldn't have done this or chosen this. And God, we can come to you today and, and quite honestly, we just come, we need forgiveness. We need your grace and your mercy, God. In some situations, Lord, I, Lord, I pray that you would make things right, Lord, that you would bring forgiveness between family members, Lord, that you would bring relationships closer together that have been distant for too long. God, I pray that you would close that gap. Lead and guide and direct in that area, Jesus. God, I pray as we're listening to you this week, God, as we are growing in you, as we're spending more and more time with you, God, I pray, God, that you would guide our steps. Lord, help us to prioritize the things that are the most important, Jesus. Help us to spend the, the gifts, the, the time, which maybe is the most valuable thing that we have wisely, Lord. Help us, the, the things that you've given us, talents and treasures, Lord. I pray that we would spend those wisely, Lord. That we wouldn't get to the end of our lives with just a bunch of stuff that will disappear and not matter. But we will be able to come to the end and say, I've invested wisely. Lord, guide us in that. Lord, help us. We need it. Lord, Thank you for being present with us, Jesus. I pray that you would enter cars this week, that you would enter homes this week as we wake up in the morning, as we are spending time with you. I pray that you stir our hearts in you, God. Reveal yourself in a powerful way, Jesus. And we want to be obedient to you, Lord. Lord, guide our steps, we pray. Lord, we, we lift these things to you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Would you stand and receive the blessing? And now may the God of all grace and peace remind you of the power that you have, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. And may you remember that his breath, his spirit is within you today and each day. Go in peace.